Greetings, and welcome to Etzheim's weekly podcast, recorded live in Richardson, Texas. We invite you now to join us for one of our synagogue's Shabbat messages. Amen. All right. I might cry, so let me keep these up here. It's, it's awesome when it's clear and you can see through it. You can see all the, all the stuff I have everywhere sliding back and forth, so it's going to be interesting today. But I want to first begin with just giving honor and praise to God because he is the faithful one who has brought us to this season. That is, he's the one who upholds all things and he dwells. He dwells in the place of supreme holiness. He is a faithful and wise God. So, Father, you dwell in earthen vessels so that the excellency would not be of man, but of God. All right. God is light. He alone possesses immortality, dwelling in unapproachable light. So before I begin speaking, I'm going to read something about Hanukkah. I was going to put something together, but it's, for me, it was so much involved with it, which if you really pay attention to the story of Hanukkah and look at Matthew 24 and look at the dynamics of the political struggles and some of God's people getting in bed with political parties and them changing Laws and changing and saying certain things that used to be bad or good. You start paying attention, you see there was a lot of deception, a lot of manipulation. In fact, I'll start this out by saying this. The predominant word you hear in the body of Messiah where a messianic or Christian is end time revival. But the predominant word you hear by the Messiah in Matthew 24, and if you pay attention to the book of Maccabees, is end times apostasy. I'll begin with pointing that out so you can see there was a little flock. You do well to get your theology directly from the word of God. I begin like that because we need to pull out a sword in the beginning to make a distinction because if your master tells you that there will be deception... As the first thing to look for, perhaps we need to take it to heart because after all, God is light. And he alone possesses immortality dwelling in an unapproachable light. So I think this is from the Messianic Bible Institute. I want to give them credit for where it's due. I did not summarize this. This is their summary of Hanukkah. It says Hanukkah is the Hebrew word for dedication. And I got to admit, it's already been done. You did an excellent job, sister. So I was like, I don't even have to read this, but I, I have to. The eight-day Jewish celebration bearing the name. It is also called the Festival of Lights. And it remembers the dedication of the temple in Jerusalem after it had been recovered by the Jewish forces of Yehuda Maccabee in 16 and um, 164 B.C. The Syrian king Antiochus or Antiochus Epiphanes 
a forerunner of the anti-Messiah foretold in Daniel 11:21, seeking to coerce the Jews into abandoning their religion and culture for that of Greece or Hellenism, had issued edicts forbidding circumcision, observance of the Jewish Sabbaths and feast days. He had defiled the temple by offering a sow on the altar and raising up the sanctuary in the sanctuary statue of Zeus. As depicted in the first book of Maccabees, an ancient account of Jewish history found in the Apocrypha, a revolt was launched by the priest Mattathias, and he later led by his son Yehuda Maccabee. It led to the defeat of the Syrian forces, and the defiled temple was cleansed and rededicated. Another account relates how during the cleansing there was only enough sanctified oil left to burn in the menorah for one night, yet a miracle occurred, and it continued burning for eight days. The victorious warrior Yehuda ordained that the days of the dedication of the altar should be kept in their season from year to year by the space of eight days. From the fifth and twelfth day of the month of Kislev with mirth and gladness. And that's in Maccabees 449. Today, part of the celebration includes the use of special eight branch menorah upon which a new oil lamp or candle is lit each evening. All right. Got to put a timer for myself. Each lighting is ignited from the flame of a separate branch called the shamish or the servant. So I began with mentioning that there is a connection between Hanukkah and the abomination that makes desolation, which is mentioned in in Matthew 24. And you also see it if you look at 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. It will talk about the lawless one or the Torahless one. But our attention is going to move from focusing on that aspect of the darkness. And we're going to put our eyes upon who God is, since God is light. So we're going to go to 1 John, chapter 1, verses 1 through 5. And it begins like this. Let me set my little scheme together first. All right, now I'm ready. What was from the beginning, what we have heard, what we have seen with our eyes, what we have looked and touched with our hands concerning the word of life, and that life was manifested, and we had seen and testified, proclaimed to you the eternal life, which is with the Father was manifested to us. What we have seen and heard, we proclaim to you also that you too may have fellowship with us. And indeed, our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Yeshua HaMashiach. These things we write so that our joy may be made complete. And finally, God is light. This is the message we heard from him and announced to you that God is light. And in him, there is no darkness at all. So what we're going to do today is have a talk about God. I'm going to ask questions. I want you to think about the things I I ask you. I want you to consider How God is light. What distinguishes him from anything else or anyone else? So to do that, we're going to go back to Genesis. Genesis 1, 1 through 4. 
And I'm going to read the passage and then we're going to look into a few things about this God who is light. It says in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was formless and void and darkness was over the face or the surface of the deep. And the spirit of God was moving over the surface of the waters. Then Elohim said, let there be light. And there was light. God saw that the light was good and God separated the light from the darkness. In this passage, our God saw the goodness of the light he created and separated light from darkness. Thus, because God himself is light. By nature, he separates and distinguishes light from darkness. The word for separate is the word badal. Interestingly enough, if we look at the Hebrew word and its references to God, it will begin to shed light on his nature. You see, you should know this God that you say you believe in. Because if there is in him no darkness at all, it begins to paint a picture. So we're going to just travel this this, rope, this word of Badal and every time it reference to the Lord distinguishing and making distinctions between things. Because in our time period, what is happening is people are beginning to reimagine or redetermine what is right and wrong. So the foundation of what is right and wrong is based upon whose word? This is extremely important. So much so, if you study the book of Maccabees and the little flock and the big, and the, and the big masses of compromisers, there are the people who were glad. They wanted to be Hellenists. And then there were people who were scared who wanted to save their lives so they capitulated to the society. And then there were those who, as it says in Daniel, who knew their God and the covenant they had with him. Hanukkah is about both light and darkness. It is. Everything you're seeing out there is a struggle between what is light and what is darkness. So let's go to the passage. We're going to go to Exodus 26 and 33. And you're going to notice something. You shall hang up the veil under the claps. And I'm going to point out to you where the word Badal is. And you shall bring in the altar of the testimony there within the veil. And the veil shall serve, that's Badal, for you as a partition between the, partition is Badal, between the holy place and the holies of holies. That's Exodus 26 and 33. Now we're going to read Ezekiel 42 and 20. He measured it on the four sides. It had a wall all around the length 500 and the width 500 to divide between the holy and the profane. Interestingly enough, in this passage, Badal means to separate, to disjoin as two places, either by veil, by fence, or by wall. This gives you an insight on how God is like. God is the one who makes the distinctions between what is holy and what is profane. Actually, it even tells you God is the one who actually declares what is holy and what is profane. 
not people. How do you ascertain what is holy? How do you measure your responses to people? By whose standard do you handle your disagreements? You see, there were, there were some Jews who were, who were, it's like, man, this pork is great! See, but they were in covenant. They were, this wasn't like they were from some country didn't have a, com- a covenant with God. But I'm getting ahead of myself. Because he also was able to separate and tell us how to live too. This is a very quick and simple message. You know why? Because if you say you have faith, but God is not the one who can separate holy and profane, perhaps you don't walk in the light. Those who walked in the light, we look at those heroes and go, man, they were heroes. Look at the power that they moved. There was, did they ascertain this by vision? The Mattathias have a vision. Did Mattathias get on his face and pray for eight hours and he heard God say, don't do this? I know I'm trampling on some toes. No, Mattathias knew what the word of God said and he did that. Can you always ascertain the things that you hear are from God? They're not always. But every time you open this book and it's written, it's always from God. In these days, you're going to see people shipwrecked based on their own interpretations of things because they're going to stray from the light. God is light. So, maybe you see the direction I'm going. All right. So I already asked that. I I don't even need to look at this. Okay. So it is by God's word. So I declare to you that God is light. He most naturally dwells in a place exclusively holy and high. In 1 John, Yukonin says the eternal life was with the Father and was manifested to us. Even in 1 John 1 and 1, what was from the beginning connects us to Genesis 1-1. You know that we are dealing with the one who lives eternally and existed before there was anything created. He is the creator God, infinite, holy, and the true source and basis for the existence of all things. This completely distinguishes him from you and me. This completely makes you don't think you can have a Christ consciousness because Christ is a person. This makes you move from a place of thinking I have a God conscious and seeing your ways are not like my ways. Your thoughts are not like my thought. There's a many, there's lots of things happening in the world today seeing it's supposed to be from our faith. But if you look at what is said and you go back in the book and look at it, you don't find it. But if you look in the annals of New Age and look in the annals of Hinduism and look in the annals of Kabbalism, which I can, I, we can trace back to all sorts of Gnosticism, which is really interesting because the passage I use from First John, John literally wrote, wrote it according to Irenaeus, he was dealing with Gnostics. And Gnostics had a whole plethora of different doctrines, which we have today because people are quite ignorant of them. 
He actually calls their doctrines the spirit of antichrist. And we act like we don't know what that should look like. Go back and study to show yourself approved. Because this darkness is trying to overcome the light by deception, by coercion, by manipulation. Don't you see that in the elections? By deception, by coercion, by manipulation. And that could be on either side. God is light. And so since he is, it's what he says that you can trust on. All right. Sorry. Okay, 11 minutes. I'm not doing that bad. Pretty good. Pretty good. All right. Let's look a little more more at the word badal. We're going to go to Leviticus 10, 9 through... Chapter 10, verse 9 to 10. It says, Do not drink wine or strong drink, neither you nor your sons with you when you come into the tent of meeting, so that will you, so that you will not die. Let me slow down. It is a perpetual statute throughout your generations, so as to make a distinction between the holy and the profane, between the clean and unclean. And again, I'm going to go to the next one. But your iniquities have made a separation. The word distinction in the last verse was badal. And this one is the word separation between you and your God for your sins have for for your sins have hidden his face from you so he does not hear you in this context the word badal figuratively means applied to the mind or to, to separate or to distinguish diverse things either by statute instruction or law or by way of life or by nature like he can say this is unclean. Who is it that declares something unclean? Is it people? Who is it that declares certain lifestyles not acceptable? Who is it that determines certain attitudes are not righteous? I guarantee you, it is not man. It is God. But why? Because he is the righteous judge. Why does a parent tell the child not to touch the electrical socket? Because it's dangerous for them. Why is it God tells his daughters, through the teachings of the apostles, how to appear before people in their garments. Because he has that authority. Is the apostles' teachings, is that just commentary or is that scripture? I'm looking at people because there's some people here who think it's commentary. If it's commentary, how do we handle and deal with one another according to the text? Not by vision. Not by inspiration. Not by a voice. If the voice tells you something other than what is written, why does... Me and my wife are talking about this. I'm going to do a side trail very quickly. 
on the way here, we were talking about a king. I was like, you know, when a king sets you apart and gives you something to do, you don't have to wake up every morning and say, Lord, uh, what do I have to do to do this? The thing he already told you to do and he gave you the instructions to do it. Why are you asking to do about the things he already instructed you what to do? Perhaps you're going to get different answers. Perhaps you won't work out the things according to what is written. I'm speaking to people who have been taught to ascertain things by hearing voices. I have one question for you, and I want you to consider this. Can you look me in the eye and say everything you ever heard was 100% accurate? No. If you pick up this book and do what is written in it and put your faith in the Son of the living God, is it always the same answer? So, the people who live like that are very unstable. You know why? Because they're not basing their walk with God upon the words of God. They're basing their walk with God upon what they think they're hearing and how they, what they perceive and what they're doing. So when the storm comes and it blows on them, you have, you have a Maccabee. He immediately knows. Why? It is written. Then you have this other one who says, well, and they're, they're trying to somehow mix the world in with it to somehow make it work. And then you have the other one that says, I'm going with it. This is the new understanding. We are woke here. We have a new understanding here. Things have changed. You know, God has changed. He has reimagined homosexuality. It just means between man and child. Oh, well, maybe that's okay too now. That is what is being taught. But I'm not just talking about grotesque and wicked things like that. I'm talking about basic day-to-day things that you're, you're ascertaining. And then you, then you're not filled with joy. You're filled with turmoil because you'll never know what is right. Because you're basing things off what you perceive instead of what is written. Oh, I know this personally. I was just set free from that foolishness. And I have a heart filled with joy. Do you know why your heart is not filled with joy? Because it's not his word lighting your heart. This isn't picking at you. It's because you live by your own perceptions. Not by what he says. This is the difference between a man says, this is how I fight my, this is how I fight my battles. They're talking about, they're talking about when Elisha and, and all the, the soldiers are coming in one and he can see that there was this magnificent army. This is the difference between someone who has an infinite God who lived from eternity's past and then you got some, somebody like Joe Biden coming to the White House and then you got people in here planning to storm the White House. Who are you hearing from? How little is your God? I almost guarantee you, you think you chose God. You need to get your doctrines right. False doctrine will destroy you. You won't be, you can't rest on it. As soon as the storm comes, you have this big old giant enemy and this little God who's swinging and trying to figure it out. But what I've read from the foundations of the world, Messiah was slain. 
I read that our, there's the only being I know who says, I am Adam, Lord our God. I change not. Immutability. He can't change. He's perfect. So if you put your trust in him, instead of how you've been taught to perceive all these things for yourself, you might start figuring out, that's why I'm not stable. Because God is stable. God is light. So you got to deal with that. Because this is what I felt the Holy Spirit was teaching me. I felt just by the text and by me getting on my face and saying, what is happening to me? Why are these attacks happening to me? I can't figure it out. I'm not living in sin. Well, turn back to what I say and believe it. And watch what happens. So let's keep moving. I need to make sure I don't over speak. I got to stay within the lines. All right. We're going to go to the next portion. I'm getting close to the end here. One last part is this. Seven, eight, nine. All right. We're going to go to this one last section. All right. And that's in Numbers 8 and 14. This is the last time we're going to look at the word Badal. The reason I'm showing you this from all these different angles is because you're going to notice who's the one actually in control. You're going to notice the one who's actually making the decisions. You're going to notice the one who actually is not afraid. or He's not shaken or stirred by what's happening. He is the one sovereignly in control. As a matter of fact, I got a question. Which one of you decided to be born at this time period? How many of you are Jewish in here? Raise your hands. How many of you decided to be Jewish? Hmm. Who made you? You can't choose your time period. How about your gender? Did you choose that? Who did? Why do I got to point to the one who's in power? Because perhaps we don't perceive it very well. That's why you're scared. That's why you're scared. You ought to learn who's in control. God is in control. He made you and determined what hour. On the road, when the Ethiopian was on that road... How did that meeting happen? Do you guys believe in the sovereignty of God? Do you think he knows where he... Do you think he knows who here? Do you think he knows his sheep? Do you think he chose Abraham by happenstance? For some reason, we think we, we were chosen some different way. It's a lie. It's hard for some people to hear, but it's true. God is a powerful God. It is no accident you're sitting here today because I'm trying to proclaim a God who knows everything. So, keep moving. Numbers 8 and 4. 
Thus you shall separate the Levites from among the sons of Israel, and the Levites shall be mine. That's Numbers 8 and 14, not 4. Then we're going to go to slide 10, which is going to be Leviticus chapter 20, verse 24 and 26. Hence I have said to you, you are to possess their land, and I myself will give it to you to possess it, a land flowing with milk and honey. I am the Lord your God, who has separated you from the peoples. Thus you are to be holy to me, for, and that's the word separated in the first one, for I am the Lord for I, the Lord, am holy, and I have set you apart. That word is not actually kadosh, it's badal, or badal, from the peoples to be mine. It, he is the one doing that. The same way he did it in the days of Maccabees. It hasn't changed. It's the same, it's, it's in the same context that I'll read you this. In John 15 and 16, Messiah says, you didn't choose me. But I chose you and appointed you that you would not, that you would, that you would go and bear fruit and that your fruit will remain so that whatever you ask of the father in my name, he may give it to you. So my point is this, by what means does God separate a people unto himself? It's by his word. By what means does he make clean and unclean? What does he do? He speaks. And then the word. He separates it. By what means did he create the light? That's right. It's the word. Who is the Messiah? In first, in first John, he says, and the life was manifested, and we have seen and testified, proclaimed to you the eternal life, which was with the Father and was manifested to us. If you pay attention to that text, it says the eternal life was with the Father. So those of you who don't believe that the, that Yeshua was from eternity's past need to go back and look very closely at that text. I'm speaking about both humanity, divinity made manifest in, hum, in human flesh. This is Messiah. So when he says, my sheep hear my voice, some of you, and I taught this, it means what I need to, if, if, I, if I'm Messiah, I have to get on my face and cry out. And then when he tells me to do something, I do it. No, no, no. He says, when my sheep hear my voice, the things that he wrote in his word is the one who does them is the one that hears his voice. These are the ones that walk in light. Oh, I hear a little small voice, but, but why are you walking in a way different than what he says? That's what I mean. You do test the spirit. But what's primary? It's his word. Are your tongues going to fail one day? Are your visions going to fail? Did it always come true? Do your perceptions always turn out right? What sustains the people of God in the midst of darkness? It's the word of God. I'm set free from having to ascertain. You know what I do? I pick up this word and I'm filled with joy. You know why? Because God can't lie. 
because he's made eternal promises for you and me and we must receive them. The ones who are sitting around with all the wrestlings and the struggle and they feel doubt and unbelief because they actually don't believe what God is saying to them. Are you walking in the light? It's simple. Repent and believe. The same God that chooses also compels me to tell you whosoever will. The same one who says the reason you won't hear my voice is because you're not one of my sheep still compels me to proclaim a message to those that might hear. So we under, so we all believe everyone in here is going to endure to the end. This last week I found out one of my nephews passed away. It was quite disturbing and because I hadn't spoken to him for years. And it broke my heart because I don't know where he is. Don't comfort me and tell me he's in a good place. I believe the scriptures. I believe he who has a son has life. So I grieved and mourned. I wasn't there. Who knows? Do you know walking in darkness, according to what we've looked at, is you setting up and I setting up our own methodology of living our own life outside of the confines of God. This is what you saw in the book of Maccabees. And this is what the Hanukkah story is about. It is about a man Setting up himself as God in the midst of a people. It is actually the fulfillment. This is the goal of fallen humanity. Is to equate themselves with God. And to say, maybe your, your gender isn't that. Anything that the Lord says, you need to pay attention. They're not attacking you because you, you, Jew just because you're Jewish. It's because you have an everlasting covenant. If they, just like I heard Leonard Ravenhill preach when they were beating Paul and they were stoning Paul and they were trying to kill Paul and there was like, people like, man, look at Paul, look at Paul. They weren't trying to kill Paul. They were trying to kill Christ that's in Paul. They couldn't get to him. Well, when they hate you, it's because they hate your God. Because our God, you can't make an image of him. He's eternal. You notice that their God, you can make an image. He, he's finite. Where's Antiochus now? Where's Mao now? Where's Lenin now? Where are we now? I ask you to consider this Messiah, the eternal one. I ask you to understand that the whole world is going to lie in wickedness. I'm not saying there won't be a, a remnant of Jews coming to faith. The scripture declares it will. But it, but if you you need to be careful, student of the scriptures. Because not everything out here proclaiming to be light is light. And the only way you can actually ascertain it is by looking what is in here. And if you... And I'm going to say this. I hope you don't misinterpret me. Spend, if you read, if you spend all your time in the Torah portion, but you're not, 
but your mind isn't filled with the apostles' doctrines, you're going to be unstable. You know why? Well, they didn't have the Torah. I mean, they didn't have the apostles' words. I said, I know. They had the apostles preaching to them. What was they fellowshipping every, what, what doctrine were they fellowshipping with, with in the book of Acts? You know what John says the spirit of error is? He says first, he begins to deal with the Gnostics saying that Messiah didn't come in the flesh. There's two versions of it. One, because they believe the human flesh is all so perverted that God couldn't dwell in it. And the other version is because they believe it was Christ consciousness, which is what's coming. That's the doctrine of the new age. It's the Christ consciousness. And they preach this in churches. But that second thing is when he said this, and it just made me jump out of my chair. Those who hear us, us is our apostles. When, when John says those who hear us, he's being exclusive. The people who are teaching things and not listening to the ones whom God has sent, which is the 12 apostles. And I'm not talking about Iscariot. I'm talking about Shaul or Paul. They're in the spirit of error. How can you know how to follow Messiah and throw away what they teach about how to walk with him? How can you know how to deal with the, the inner workings in the body of Messiah if what their words are is laid to the side? My brothers and sisters, I'm talking about God is the light. And he sent his messengers, the apostles. And in their teachings, they, when you believe what they, the gospel that they preach, you will be brought from death or from darkness into light. This Messiah is an eternal Messiah. He is an eternal life. I think I'm almost done. I think I am almost done. Huh. So we looked at darkness. We looked at light. By what power do people, are people able to survive? There's this interesting passage in the book of Maccabees. It's, it's chapter 2, and it's verse 8. It's describing Mattathias, the, the son of John, his reaction. And what he saw when the temple was defiled. This is what it says. Her temple is become as a man without glory. And I'm telling you, that's the doctrine that leads people astray. None of us have a glory on ourselves. Is any of us here without sin? You notice how he says your sin separated you from God. Well, how do you get brought near? If by the word of God, you broke his commandment and you're separated, how else could you come near to God but by his word? So, since the Lord was rich in mercy, he brought forth his son, the living word of God. As it says in John, in John 1, 1, John 1, 1 through 5, it says, In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. And he was in the beginning with God. All things came into being through him, and apart from him, nothing came into being. In him was life. And that life was the light of men. And the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend, overcome, or overpower it. My beloved brothers and sisters, all things by the word. It pleased the Father that he would put fullness in his word. 
When you go before God, by, by whose name are you going to be brought near to him? I'm preaching this because there's some of you who walk in darkness. You know, in today's time, if, 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 if you struggle with sin, it's called struggle with sin. It's not committing sins. You know, there's certain passages where Paul says those who, the, the fornicators, the effeminate, the liars, he shall, shall not, he warns them, I told you before and I tell you again, you should not inherit the kingdom. And people, you know, that they're walking in darkness. The word of God is preached before you every, every Shabbat or anytime you come here and you would not. I'm bringing this to your mind because light. How does a person have faith? Because they know their God. It says in Daniel, they knew their God. If I know that I was chosen before the foundation of the earth, if I know that I was foreknew and I was called and I was elected, I was chosen, uh, I was justified, glorified, sanctified. If I knew all these things, I'm getting some of the orders wrong. If I know these things, it is like deep roots in my heart. Messiah Yeshua spoke about this specifically in in Matthew chapter 7 when he describes two types of people. I always hear people talk about this. Like, see, these are the ones that keep the Torah and these are the ones who don't keep the Torah. I said, you need to keep reading. He says, my words. Are they different from the Torah? He's very specific. If you disobeyed Moses while keeping the Torah, were you walking with God? I'm bringing that up because it's uncomfortable. Yeshua was describing those who could not be shaken because they were upon an impenetrable foundation, which was him. He's the word of God. And because they walked in the light, those who know him, they must depart from what? Iniquity. I'm trying to press upon you the importance of understanding that this Messiah is the true light. And the ones whose hearts have roots in God, when these things happen, they might be weak. They might cry. They might, they might, you know, get upset for a minute, but they're rooted in someone other than themselves. They're not rooted in how they feel. It might not feel good to be in a Chinese prison for 10 years. Right now, most people want to fight is because they're too busy worried about their own personal liberties. Not about God's name. Why didn't you want to fight when they took the word of God out the schools? Why didn't we want to fight when, when, when they um, started murdering the children? But when you're worried about your freedom getting taken from you, it's probably the best thing that could ever happen to us. To save the remnant, the chosen. Do a study on the word chosen in Hebrew. There's this teaching called the perseverance of the saints. If you do a study on chosen, you're going to find something fascinating. It actually means to test. In other words, it's kind of like when Yeshua says there's all these soils and there's a person who's on the shallow soil. So I'm saved. I know God. And but you got these stones, all this stuff is unrepeat. You just got all this mess going on and you shoot up like a little shoot with Jonah. But as soon as the sun comes out, what happens? Boom. What about the other ones? You shoot up and you're annoyed with joy. You raise your hands and you clap and do a Holy Ghost dance and you run around. You do the Davidic dance. You do all these things. But as soon as the cares of the world, the deceitfuls of riches, riches or persecution come, 
but those on the good ground. That's what's in this story. Those who know their God. They're hurt. They're weak. They're confounded. Like Paul says, we are confounded. Fears within, fears without. But he says, I have not denied the, the faith. I've kept the faith. Why? Because he had those roots. He knew his God. Nothing could take away the love of God. We quote that verse, but we separate it from all the truths above the verse. All the truths above the verse describe our relationship with all the divine attributes of God and all the great callings and elections and all the bottom parts describe the power of all of the world itself who can't separate it from you. A storm will come, a flood will come, and nothing can separate you from that God. Why? The same reason why the first time the word faith is used when Moses was lifting his arms up. Because the word means supported, because God upholds them. Because they're his. I'm speaking to you like this because if you keep reading Matthew 24, it says that there will be those who betray one another. You don't hear that talked about that much. Read the book of Maccabees. You'll see a whole bunch of betraying one another. Matter of fact, you actually see a perversion of the priesthood later on. But I'm making a point. The ones who were in the light, they're going to be in the light all the way to the end. And the one who have a divine spark, which is, which is a reimagined um, Gnostic teaching made Jewish. Sparks go out just like that. Just like that. I know some of you don't like that, but it's the truth. Matter of fact, it's not even Jewish. You can go all the way back. It's Hindu. Before there was anybody practicing Judaism. At least that type of Judaism. Hinduism is quite old. Study it. See the teaching. I know we talk about it because it's been brought in. If you start starting to such in the history and you start paying attention to what the apostles described the last times would be like, they did all these warnings. They did all these warnings to the body of Messiah. They were preparing them for all the deception and all the lies and all the all the, the, the people coming in unawares. Like he says, like reefs in your feet, in your love feast. Do you understand Jude is literally saying they're like you're in your you're in your boat, and that believer is like a reef that hits your boat and calls you to go shipwreck. That's what he's saying. And I'm saying that to you. That if you simply turn to the word of God, if you simply with faith believe God's word. And if God, if by the grace of God, because God is the only one I believe that can make a man new. I don't believe none of you born yourselves. I don't think none of you can go up into heaven and make yourself a brand new creation. I think you can make yourself decisionally a believer, but you'll never be able to maintain it because it's not birthed in God. You see, in John, it says not of the will of the man, the will of the flesh or of blood. What does that mean? Well, I'm, I'm Jewish. Well, man, I, I mean, Anton LaVey was Jewish. He, he, his bloodline was, was, was proper, but he was not born of God. What about the will of the flesh? Well, what if I get you these rituals and we go through this certain pattern? If I do this, 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 and this, I can be made new. I'm not going to work. You'll be just twice born the son of Satan. Or perhaps... 
just by your own will, just your own strength. Do you know that's what they teach? Very few people actually teach that it's salvation is a work of God and what God does. That God saves people. If you, if you got pulled out of a shark infested tank, you wouldn't, wouldn't pull yourself out and go, man, look what I did. I'm, I'm proclaiming this and you might hate what I'm saying, but by, but, but I'm trying to tell you the glory belongs to God. But I'm not speaking about the absence of the will of man. I'm not saying that. In fact, since, because this God is infinite and holy and perfect, and you are his creation, you're doubly accountable to this God. But because this God so loves you, he created the way so that you can have release from your sins. He can cause a, depart- a departure. He can separate you from that which is your enemy. And that's the gospel. The gospel says that mankind chose to, to be his own God. And you see that that is the ultimate conclusion to the end time scenario. You see that mankind has tried his own formulas, his own methods. And I'm telling you, if you're struggling with sin or committing sins, if you are in bondage, if you are, if you're filled with, with unrest and hate, or you're filled with all fear, there's a Messiah that will deliver you from that. If you turn and put your trust in him, he, he is not like the world. He says, I'm going to shake everything that could be shaken. So if I tell you that, nobody likes it. I can preach, man, the light, the light, the light. It is the light. But if the world goes over in darkness and you're in the light, how can it reach you? I'm trying to, the final point I want to make is that God's light is eternal. It's not a spark. God's nature is not shared God fills the temple with his presence, but it belongs to God. The ordinances, who made him? God. Who made you? The very one who I'm speaking about. I'm speaking about this, this father, and I've been calling him God, but really he's father. That's how I talk to him. He's father. He's Abba. But not everyone here knows him like that. And there's nothing worse than a false convert. Not that they're the worst people. It's because they're deceived. So I pray right now that as I guess the worship team gets ready to come forward. I want to present to you a Messiah that will remove you from the table that is a table of darkness. See, the most interesting thing about this Messiah, he says, has no fellowship. He said, have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness. Paul said it. And you notice in in this verse that I'm talking about, he's warning them for their behavior. But I'm also describing in 1 John when it says we have beheld his glory. And, it, and I'm talking about in, in 1 John when it says we have touched him and handled him with our hands. And he says, and our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son. I'm talking about having actual fellowship with God. That actually changes your inward disposition. Do you know what it means to be regenerated? Do you know what it means to be new? 
See, if I was to do dissensionalism salvation, I would say, just repeat all these words after me and you've got it. Did lions in the garden eat people or did they eat grass? So when they, they had a different nature before the fall, didn't they? So what makes you think people don't? I heard an incredible debate once between, I think it was Todd Friel and a rabbi, and he stumped Todd Friel, and I asked the Lord, and I was praying, like, what was the answer? And, and he showed me, he took me to that, it was like, we don't need to be made new. And the Lord says, take them back to the garden. So I went and looked in the garden and realized the animals, it describes the animals being made new. It's, it describes that in, in Isaiah. It describes that they, that you can put your hand in a hole of an adder, and in the adder, it won't even bite you. Why? Because God did something to it. It's new. It's the same when you come to faith in Messiah. He makes you new. You don't have to be constantly lusting and watching pornography. Do you know pornography is equivalent to fornication? By whose word am I saying that? Messiah Yeshua says, if you look at a woman with lust and you've committed adultery in your own heart, where do adulterers go? Where do fornicators go? You see, they've taken away the sting of sin because they do not care for the flock. But I tell you, there is one who can save you from fornication. There is one who can deliver you from that unbridled rage that wars within your members. Do you want to be set free from rage? See how God poured out his wrath upon his son. See how God poured out his wrath. And it pleased him for those who he called. So I'm speaking to, I'm trying to compel someone to seek Messiah, seek Christ. So I have a final scripture that is kind of like a benediction. Actually, I have three more, but we can maybe skip those. I'm wanting, I'm, I, this is not my work, it's God's work in the heart of men. So I, I'm compelling you that you don't have to stay in that place. It's a lie. Let God shine a light in that place and you'll be free. He'll, you'll repent of your sins. You'll put your faith in him. And even as you are weak and in struggling, he will walk you from glory to glory by his light. He describes his word as a light into your feet and a lamp into your pathway. Walk in the light. Well, I can't. I'm a sinner. I'm in darkness. I tell you, repent of your sins. Put your faith in Messiah. Not everyone in here who says, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, but those who do the will of the Father. For many will come unto me in that day. and say, I've done many good works in your name. And they're going to go off their list of their accomplishments, even though they, the best of their righteousness, they're like a briar. The best of their righteousness is as, even as filthy rags. I'm telling you, don't just repent of your sin, repent of your righteousness. It's filthy. You have nothing to commend before this God. He's so, he's so far above us, but yet he stoops so low because he loves us. He put his son on the cross for you. So how are you treating his blood? Is it so holy? 
that it does something for you? I tell you, if you ate a meal, you would notice you ate it. If you were stuffed and full, you would say, I'm satisfied. But if you're not satisfied in the sun, you have no life. Come to the sun and receive life. I will preach the gospel because that's what the world needs. And you need the gospel as well. You come in here and you need to come to life. You're steadily in your sins. You're toiling around. You're being defeated. You're being destroyed. And this is a God who hears. He hears. He heard me. He heard me. I didn't do anything to deserve it. He chose me. I didn't even understand it. I was elected by God. I was chosen. I don't understand it. And so I have joy. I have joy. And it's not in me, myself. It's not in myself. It's in his son. It's in God. It's in his work. So finally, let me read that verse. It is slide 13. 1 Timothy 6, 12 through 16. I skipped Colossians because I proclaimed that everything was created by him. And this is the final verse. Fight the good fight of faith. Take hold of eternal life to which you were called. And you made the good confession in presence of many witnesses. I charge you in the presence of God who gives life to all things. And Yeshua HaMashiach who testified the good confession before Pontius Pilate. That you keep the commandment which without stain or reproach until the appearing of our Lord Yeshua. Which will bring about... at which he will bring about at the proper time. He who is the blessed and only sovereign, the King of kings and Lord of lords, who alone possesses immortality, hallelujah, and dwells in unapproachable light, whom no man has seen or can see. To him be honor and eternal dominion. Amen.